Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Below the Surface edition of the Bonfire Briefing Podcast. I am your host, Taylor, and I'm doing this episode solo today. Uh, I was hoping that, you know, Alex might be able to join me again for this one. We've been on a pretty good streak recently, but he actually just recently started a new job um, and moved. So uh, he's been pretty busy. Like I said, we were planning to do another episode tonight. It's Monday night, pretty late Monday night, actually. Um, you know, and and speaking of that, uh, I know that a lot of our episodes have, you know, been uploaded on Tuesday instead of Monday, and Monday was the norm for, um, it was the norm for a long time. Uh, it, it, it's just turned out that you know, for he and I, because there's been a lack of guests um, on recently, it just seems that Monday kind of works out better for the both both of us to um, to upload. So I don't know if that's going to be a permanent change. Uh, moving forward or not, I, you know, I, I kind of like the idea of the show being uploaded on Monday and people being able to listen to it, you know, on, you know, on the road, uh, at work, you know, starting off the week with it. I really like the idea of that. But, you know, if we keep recording uh, late at night, then, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I, I'm not going to you know, edit the podcast and upload it and, you know, create a video for YouTube and do all that stuff uh, late Monday night. So uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll think of, I'll, I'll think a little bit more about it. I'm not really, um, I'm not really, I'm just not really sure how I want to go about doing that. So um, if I do make a, you know, like a permanent decision to change uh, the upload date from Monday to Tuesday, I will let you guys know. Um yeah, no. That let's uh, let's just get into it. I don't have any booze with me tonight. Um, even if I did, I don't know that I'd be drinking it. It is very, uh, very late. I do have a diet Dr Pepper. Um, I I really like the zero sugar cherry Dr Peppers, but they didn't have one at the uh, the store that I went to, which was a pretty big bummer. Um, but a diet Dr Pepper will do just fine. I, I don't do sugary soft drinks. You know, it's just, it's, it's just too much sugar. I, you know, I, I've been working on, you know, losing some weight and trying to eat a little bit healthier. I, I don't need to be drinking, uh, you know, all those calories, all that sugar. I also personally, maybe this is because I've been drinking them for so long, but I, I kind of just like diet soft drinks more than I do, you know, sugary ones. Maybe that makes me a little odd, a little weird, whatever. But when it comes to, you know, like, Dr. Pepper, Coke. Um, I don't really, well, <laughs> I was trying to think of some others. I don't really, I mean, I don't drink Pepsi. Um, I think, I think one, uh, um, you know, one thing where I differ, you know, one soft drink where it is different is Sprite. Like I, I don't really like the zero sugar Sprites all that much. I, like if I was going to get a Sprite, I would get, you know, like a regular, Sprite. Um, and actually, before we hop into, you know, there's been some fights. We have some uh, pretty big fights coming up this weekend. We've had a uh, finals basketball going on. Definitely going to talk about that heat win in game two. Um, something else I've been thinking about doing with the podcast, just, you know, before we really hop into some of the, some of the, you know, bigger subjects of the day, I guess. Um, I've, I've floated the idea. Well, actually, I don't know that I've done that on this podcast, but just kind of privately with Alex and whoever else, um, you know, I've, I've floated the idea of maybe doing like a history podcast. There, so there's, I, you know, I, I like having guests on. That's, you know, like my the primary reason that I'm doing the show. I, I, I like talking with interesting guests, um, you know, whether they're MMA fighters or like politicians or just whatever it is, you know, I, I really like talking to interesting guests and that'll always be like the primary kind of show that I'm shooting for. Um, I know I haven't had a whole lot of guests on recently, but um, I will, <laughs> I, I am trying to remedy that. It's just kind of, you know, like the, the election season for like state level and local level races just hasn't really uh, blown up 
all that much yet. I mean, I know the presidential election is really starting to kick in gear, but you know, it, it was always going to start sooner than, um, you know, a lot of these lower races, which is where I like to, you know, pick up guests. So, and like I've already had, you know, I think three of the, what are there five total libertarian candidates? Um, you know, presidential candidates, I mean, and I've reached out to the other two, haven't heard back from them. Sadly, would love to have uh, Chase Oliver and Lars Mapstead on the show, too. Um, but, you know, the, these state level and local level races just haven't really picked up all that much yet. So that's kind of why you've been seeing more below the surface episodes. And I do really like the below the surface episodes. Um, you know, it was with Alex that, you know, quite a few years ago now, actually, we, you know, we thought of having a podcast and just because of, um, you know, both of us like graduating college at different times and like moving around and, uh, you know, getting different jobs and everything like that. It just, you know, it was, wasn't really possible back then, but it is possible now. Um, you know, so I, you know, I really like doing the below the surface episodes, you know, it's a lot of fun to, you know, maybe have a drink or two and, you know, just kind of get on here and bullshit about, you know, politics, sports, you know, just kind of whatever's going on in the news. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's the right time to do it or, or, you know, what have you. Right. But if I was going to introduce, um, two other things to, you know, the, the bonfire briefing podcast, um, you know, universe or whatever you want to call it, it would be a history podcast, which is probably the, if, if I do decide to start like another special kind of episode, it, it would still be a part of this same podcast. It would just take the place of a, a guest episode or a below the surface episode. Um, probably I, Alex and I have kind of, you know, tossed around the idea of maybe doing an additional show in the week. I don't know that I really want to do all that. Um, but you know, we'll see. Um, but I, you know, I think like a history show would be really cool or like maybe a true crime one. I, you know, I really don't know. There are, I mean, not that there's not a lot of history podcasts out there, but there are a lot of true crime uh, podcasts and shows and everything like that out there. But, you know, the, those four areas right there, right? So like like politics and sports, um, you know, we kind of talk about with the guests and then the below the surface episodes and then history and true crime. Those are like four big areas that I think, you know, if I took some time to to do some research, make some notes, everything like that. I, I think I could make a really good show. Um, but I just, I, you know, I, I we, we haven't made any solid decisions on whether or not to expand into doing another show like that. Um, if we did, though, it, it would almost certainly be history. We're both, you know, Alex and I both are just big fans of um, history, constantly, you know, watching different documentaries and videos and, podcasts and, and everything of the like of just, you know, just different historical stuff. And I always thought it would be really cool to do um, a podcast about like, like weird history stuff, like just, you know, stuff you wouldn't necessarily find in your textbook, um, you know, just kind of real weird off the wall stories and history that, that a lot of people maybe don't know about or, you know, something like that. Um I know it's not really as weird, you know, the, well, I, the, the topic broadly isn't all that weird, but I, th I think maybe I said on here one time, uh, that I thought it would be cool to like kick off a history series about prohibition, you know, cause we like to, uh, you know, Alex and I like to come on here and have a couple of drinks. So it would be funny if we could find some like weird or odd or, you know, whatever things during the prohibition era and talk about them on the show. Um, while having a couple of, of beverages, which would not have been cool during Prohibition, obviously. So I don't know. It, it's just something we've been thinking about. I've, I've been kind of thinking maybe we would, you know, we would take a topic or a story or a, a person or, or what have you and maybe split it up into three episodes. And then, you know, we would just we would just walk through everything we have for that uh, for that subject or that historical event. Again, I'm not really sure if we will end up doing that. Maybe we will, maybe we won't, but um, it is an idea we've been tossing around. Um, I think it would be a lot of fun. 
again, it would probably just take place. You know, we would release it on a Monday or a Tuesday, like we would our, our regular weekly episodes. But if we did do a history show, it almost certainly would take the place of uh, a guest episode or a below the surface episode. I'm, I'm not really sold on the idea of doing two podcast episodes a month uh, or a week rather. Sometimes it's hard to squeeze in the one that we do, you know, with work and everything like that. I'm, I'm also moving soon. So it's just kind of, there's a lot of different stuff up in the air and, you know, I don't know that maybe like right now, you know, this month is the right time to expand the bonfire briefing podcast, but um, maybe we will in the future. So uh, again, you know, I'll I'll keep you guys updated and um, you know, I'll be on the lookout. I mean, I I consume a fair amount of, of history content, as it is. So, uh, I'll always be looking out for stuff and maybe, you know, making a couple of notes on some potential things to, to do episodes on. Um, you know, cause if I, if I did do a history thing, I, I would want it to really, you know, be well-researched and I, I would want it to be, you know, I would want the podcast to be a mix of, you know, both informative and entertaining. You know, we want to make sure that, you know, we're not talking out of our ass, that we know what we're talking about. What we're talking about is backed up by legitimate sources. And, um, but, you know, we'd, we'd also want to, you know, have a beer or two and crack some jokes. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It's just something I've been thinking about. Um, but anyway, you know, there's been a fair amount of, uh, you know, different sports things going on this past weekend. Um I'll hop into basketball a little bit first because I pro- probably have a little less to say uh, about the finals than I do, you know, the, these fights this past weekend and the fights we have coming up um, this weekend. You got a title fight, Charles Oliveira's fight, and it's going to be great. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know, you know, if you guys saw, but uh, the Heat won game two. It was very close, though, I will say. I, I tuned in a little late, but it, it was pretty close, kind of all throughout the the part of the game that I watched. And um, I, I saw a lot of people were pretty, uh, pretty excited for the heat. You know, I've, I feel like a lot of people have doubted them. Um, you know, I mean, I guess myself included, I did say that I thought uh, Denver would win this series in six games, which is, is still very possible. Um, you know, not, not that that isn't possible, but you know, the heat haven't dug themselves into a hole. You know, Denver won game one and they responded right back and and they did so, you know, very well. I thought, I mean, I mean, a lot of their guys just had really good games, you know, uh, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo did what they were supposed to do. They had good games. Gabe Vincent, who, you know, I mean, shout out to him, man. He, he's been, you know, such a great performer for the heat really during this whole playoffs run for them. Um, you know, twenty-something points in this in this past game, and uh, he had he had thirty-something during a game against the Celtics. I think maybe he did that multiple times. But there was one there was one game of his during the Celtics I was particularly um, impressed with. So it was really just a great all-around effort by the Heat uh, to beat the Nuggets. And like I said, it was close. Jokic himself did have a tremendous game. You know, a double-double, forty-one points, eleven boards. Uh, Jamal Murray had a double-double, too, 18 points, 10 assists. Um, but everyone else kind of, you know, didn't really ap- apply the pressure like they did in game one. They didn't really perform up to, you know, really what you want a team in the finals to do. It kind of felt like everyone, maybe not everyone else, but, you know, uh, yeah, I feel like guys like Aaron Gordon maybe, you know, didn't perform as well as they have in some previous games that we've seen them in. Um, you know, same thing with, uh, with like KCP, uh, and Michael Porter Jr. You know, they just kind of, it, it was, it was mostly Jokic and Jamal Murray keeping them alive in that game. And, um, I mean that, you know, they, they almost did it. I mean, Murray had that shot there, uh, at the end, you know, um, seemed kind of odd to me that he didn't pass it to Jokic. Jokic was wide open there on the perimeter. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, and it's not like Murray, you know, just shot a bad shot. I mean, it, it wasn't a bad shot. It just didn't go in. But he did have Jokic to his right there, just just wide open. Um, so, I mean, I you know, <laughs> I'm not a Denver fan. And, and, you know, despite me picking them to win this series, I'm actually 
rooting for the Heat. I would rather, out of everybody who's in the playoffs right now, I would rather see Jimmy Butler get a ring than anyone else. You know, Jokic is a great player. Um, he is, you know, there's no doubt about it. He's one of the best players in the league. I think him getting a ring would be cool. But I, th- I think Jimmy, you know, he like really needs one, man. He's He's shown out in these playoff performances, just kind of over the past couple of years with the Heat and, you know, a ring and maybe a finals MVP would really put him in Heat legend conversation, you know, like with with D-Wade and Braun and Shaq. I mean, it would just really, it would really cement him as a Heat legend. And he would be, you know, those three players that I just mentioned, they all played with one another whenever they got the ring. Jimmy Butler would be able to say, not that he did it on his own, but that he didn't do it with LeBron, D-Wade, or Shaq, who are some of the greatest players of all time. Um, I I, I think it would be really cool. I mean, Jimmy Butler has a great story. You know, if you're a basketball fan, you know it by now. But, um, you know, there's going to be like – there's going to be like a Netflix series, a documentary made about him in the future or something. And, I mean, how cool would it be if – in that documentary, there was a finals win, not just a, you know, not just a bubble finals appearance, but a finals win. Also, that would make for a better story, you know, to lose the finals that back then, but then to come around and, you know, get the job done in 2023. I think that would be really cool. But, uh, you know, the series isn't over. Like I said, Denver has plenty of opportunity to come back and and, you know, win this series and, like I said, maybe maybe win it 4-2. I don't know. Uh, wouldn't be – if you follow my Twitter, you know, particularly my MMA tweets on Saturday, you would know that uh, it wouldn't be the first of my predictions to go wrong. I mean, I don't I don't know how I did this past weekend on my uh, my MMA predictions for the Car of France uh, Albazi uh, card, but, you know, it's pretty hit or miss. If you if if you're taking my MMA predictions off Twitter as betting advice, do yourself a favor and stop. <laughs> you know, believe me, I know it doesn't always work out. In fact, more often than not, it doesn't. <laughs> um, you know, I, I thought there were some fun fights. Uh, you know, this past weekend, you know, we we will talk about the main event decision. We will get there. It it was a bad one. It sucked. But, you know, I, I just feel like a lot of people were talking trash about this card before. And, yeah, was it the best card ever? It wasn't. Um, even, you know, the fights, you know, they, they weren't bad. But, yeah, you know, it's an ESPN card, guys. It's not a pay-per-view. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not every card is going to knock your socks off, right? Um, <laughs> especially when judges screw some of the fighters out of uh, – out of a win there, you know, um, but there were some pretty good performances. I mean, uh, uh, Damon Blackshear in the prelims, first finish of the prelims. Uh, he got the job done. He's a pretty exciting guy. Um, you know, you go through, you know, some of his pre UFC career and, um, you know, he's, he's kind of more of a submission guy, but, you know, here in the UFC, he's, he's kind of started to really get the job done with his hands. Um, You know, great win for him. Uh, Jamie Malarkey. He looked fantastic, man. He did. He looked great for about a round and a half. You know, he's got, uh, he's got Ross Pearson in his corner. He looked great. He looked more, his striking was just tighter and, and, and more, more fluid. I mean, he just, he looked better. And, you know, I've, I've seen him fight plenty of times. He looked better uh, Saturday night than he did probably any time that I've seen him fight. He just, well, I don't, well, I don't know about that, but he did look really good. It just kind of looked like he had started putting some pieces together that maybe were missing uh, earlier in his career. And then Muhammad Naimov just decked him. I mean, just caught him with the, I think he was uh, up against the cage and it was like a counter hook or counter overhand, or I can't remember exactly what the punch was, but man, I mean, he just, just sat him down and finished him. You know, it's, um, you know, truly a crazy sport. You never know what can happen. I mean, I, you know, over the 
you know, past year, we've seen some great comeback victories. You know, uh, the first fight between Pereira and Izzy, you know, Izzy was a minute away from, you know, winning a, a relatively uncompetitive fight. I mean, Pereira, he didn't really have anything for him until he slept him there with like a minute left in that final round. Um, same thing with Usman and Edwards, you know, the first fight they had, it wasn't really that, com- I mean, it wasn't that competitive of a fight, you know, Leon, I mean, they were talking about Leon Edwards as if, you know, he had given up, you know, he was, you know, he has come to peace with, you know, losing this decision. And then he whips out that head kick and becomes the new welterweight champion of the world. I also saw on Twitter, somebody asked, they said, um, I can't remember exactly how they phrased it, but it was, um, it was like, you know, show me, show me that MMA is truly a sport that, or, or truly a sport where anything can happen, or they, they, something like that. And I, I posted uh, something about the Czech Congo Pat Barry fight, which if if you've not seen the, the ending to that fight, it's absurd. It's so crazy. Czech Congo is just so, so hurt so many times throughout that. Like other referees would have stopped the fight two or three times before that fight ended up getting called. Um, man, it's a, uh, yeah, no, it's a fun one. Like I said, if you haven't seen it, um, or, or um, I think I have that backwards. It was, it was Congo that knocked out Barry. Yeah. I got, yeah, I don't know. I got that mixed around in my head, but yeah, no, it was, it was Congo that knocked out Barry. Congo was the one stumbling around, hurt um and he ended up uh ended up getting the job done so uh yeah i I responded uh to that tweet with something about that just another great great comeback victory probably the best comeback victory in ufc history that i've seen i i don't know that i've ever seen anybody that hurt come back and like like knock out, knock unconscious their opponent. It wasn't like he came back and got a TKO or like, I mean, he knocked Pat Berry unconscious. Um, just a great, great all time finish to a fight. Uh, and you know, sadly Malarkey got a little, uh, just a little bit of a taste of that, um, on Saturday night. Really a shame, man. Cause like I said, he, he did look great, uh, before then. Another thing that was a shame uh, Andre Arlovsky getting knocked out by Dontel Mays. You know, I love Andre Arlovsky. He's one of the few guys that's been fighting in the UFC longer than um, I've been watching. Well, you know, his first run started well before I was uh, into the UFC. Well, his, his, his first run in the UFC started when I was uh, very young. Let me see. I do have him pulled up here. So he made his UFC debut in 2000. Yeah, I was less than five years old, you know, and he's looked good, you know, these past uh, couple of years. It's not like he's looked bad. I mean, I you know, I, I you know, getting knocked out Saturday sucks, and he did lose his fight before then, um, Marcos Rogério de Lima, and he, but he, you know, he got submitted. It is what it is, but like before then, he was on a four fight win streak, you know. He he won six of his last seven. His only loss in that stretch, you know, that that was twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty two. His only loss in that stretch was to Tom Aspinall, who is a tremendous heavyweight fighter, tremendous talent. You know, I mean, seen as many, myself included, as being one of the, you know, up and coming heavyweight contenders. And I'm, I'm glad that he's uh you know recovered from his injury, and we're going to get to see him fight very soon. But, you know, I I just I really like seeing Andre Arlovsky win these fights, you know, this far into his MMA career. Um, I mean, the guy's 44 years old. We're not going to get to see him fight for too much longer. So I was kind of hoping that maybe he would bounce back and, you know, get an, get another win in the win column. And um, But no, I mean, sadly, it just didn't happen. I mean, hats off to Dontel Mays. I mean, he looked great. You know, nothing against the guy, but, you know, you, you see somebody like Arlovsky that you've, you've watched fight for so long and you watch him, you know, get uh, get knocked out like that. It's it's not fun, man. It sucks. I always root for Andre Arlovsky whenever he's fighting, pretty much. I can't really think of anyone I'd root for over Arlovsky. Um, but, you know, just been following him forever and 
you know, I, I mean, I have no idea if he's going to retire after this one or if he's or how many fights he's got left on his contract. But, you know, I'll be rooting for the guy up until uh, the day he retires. Um, uh, you know, speaking of my predictions, uh, one fight that I, I did predict the Nurmagomedov Kometov fight wrong that uh, started the card. I thought the fight was very, you know, fairly close. I, I didn't really think the, some people thought the decision was a robbery. I didn't, I didn't really think that. I thought it was pretty close. And in fact, I, I probably sided with the judges there. I probably thought Dos Santos had a little bit more going um, in that fight. But one fight I did predict correctly, that was, you know, that was awesome to see. I mean, maybe, well, my second favorite finish of the night, Killer Kareem Silva submitting Ketlin Souza with a knee bar. That thing was vicious. Knee bars, uh, anytime you see them, are just just wild, man. I'm going to see if I can pull that one up again one good time just so I can really, uh, really see it again. But she looked great. I watched um, a little bit of her stuff before she came to the UFC just to kind of I, I wasn't really all that familiar with her and watched a little bit of her stuff. And, man, she looked uh, great that night. I mean, yeah. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she the way she hopped on and grabbed that leg, man, just really, oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, legs aren't supposed to bend that way, man. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, the slow-mo replay. Whew. Wow. All right. All right, I'm gonna pause that. I don't need to see that no more. It was uh, it was good enough the first time. Man, vicious knee bar. Um, you know, you just don't really see that many of them. And, and like to see, you know, to see a fight ended by a knee bar, not just to see someone attacking it, hoping that they get it, but to see someone finish a fight with a knee bar like that. Uh, you just don't see it all that often. So, and I mean, she got that done fairly quickly. I mean, first round. You know, and Ketlin Souza's no slouch, you know what I mean? Like she, you know, she's a very legit fighter uh, in her own right. You know, she's, um, you know, just came from Invicta. She was the Invicta uh, flyweight championship over there. You know, I mean, she, I mean, she's a good fighter, you know, and and uh, Kareem Silva was able to get her in a knee bar like that. So I don't know how many people are going to be signing up to fight killer Kareem Silva yet, but uh Watch your needs. Um, uh, Vic Altamirano was the fight after that one. He fought Tim Elliott. Sadly, uh, decision did not go his way. You know, fight didn't really go his way. I was rooting for him hard, man. You know, I just uh, I just watched him fight. You know, back in March at the card here in San Antonio, and he won his fight there. He was the uh, first guy to open up the card. He's the first fighter. He and his opponent, whose name I cannot remember right now. Um, but you know, he and his opponent are the first two UFC fighters that I got to see or got to watch in person live. So, you know, I was already a fan of him before for coming on to the show, but, um, you know, being able to watch him in person there in San Antonio, just, uh, just made it all even better. Just made me an even bigger fan of the guy, even though the, you know, fight not, or might not have uh, gone his way, you know, it was still a fun fight to see. And Tim Elliott is yeah, he's a tough opponent for anybody. Um, he's looked good over the past couple of years. One is uh, one four of his last five fights. He's fought some of the best fighters in the flyweight division since he made his debut back in 2012. And he made that debut against John Dodson, just to tell you what kind of a fighter Tim Elliott is. You know, fought Joseph Benavidez, um, fought Demetrius Johnson for the title, uh, you know, a couple of years back. Davison Figueredo. I mean, he's a great, great fighter that, um, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you've been on the flyweight roster within the past 10 years, you've either won or lost to Tim Elliott. He's just a, you know, a great fighter. He's looked good over these past couple of years and, you know, no shame at all to dropping a fight to a guy like that. And, you know, I know Vic is going to bounce back and he's going to be even better. Um, than he has been before, you know, he's still, you know, he's still a pretty young guy uh, as far as the UFC goes. So, you know, no doubt in my mind, you know, we'll probably see him fight before the end of the year. 
Um, and he's, he, you know, he's going to bounce back better than ever. So, you know, even though Saturday night didn't go his way, you're still a massive fan of Vic Altamirano. And, you know, if you, you know, if you haven't listened to my episode with him, definitely go back and do that. Watch some of his previous fights, man. He's a, he's a fun guy to watch fight. Um, speaking of fun guys to watch fight, uh, Jim Miller, <laughs> man, if you watch Saturday night, you know what I'm talking about. Jim Miller flatlined Jesse Butler in the fight before the co-main event. I mean, just absolutely flatlined him. Um, I think he was originally going to fight Jared Gordon, if I'm not mistaken. But man, and you know, I mean, I, I don't know how far out that change got made. You know, if Jesse Butler stepped up, hats off to him. Uh, but man, Jim Miller was not playing around out there. Saturday night, he knocked he knocked Jesse Butler out clean. Twenty three seconds, twenty three seconds into the first round, knocked him completely unconscious. Man, I mean, you know, if you, if you need any further proof that uh, Vic Altamirano has you know plenty of time to bounce back and you know go far in the UFC, I mean, Jim Miller's thirty nine, won the most fights um, in UFC history. He's had the most fights in UFC history, you know, um, I think he's second for finishes. I don't know if that knockout put him at first or not. Let me check that out real quick. I don't know if it did. No, I think, I, no, I think Oliveira's got him beat by two. Um, you know, I, Jim Miller said he wants to fight to, to UFC 300. So, uh, you don't know. He, and he and like first round knockout, 23 seconds. He doesn't really seem to be slowing down anytime soon. So that record might be his, although Charles is literally fighting this weekend and we will definitely talk about that. But I mean, I just, you know, I hopped off my, you know, hopped out of my seat when Jim Miller knocked him out. I mean, it was just, it, it just happened so fast and, you know, um, you can't doubt a guy like Jim Miller. He's been in the game for so long. You know, he, he's, you know, like Tim Elliott, you know, if, you, if you've been in the flyweight division in the, in the past decade, you've, you've other, you've either won a fight against Tim Elliott or lost to him. The same is true for Jim Miller, but you can push that back to about the last 15 years, you know, in the lightweight division. I mean, I mean, you've either fought him and won or fought him and lost. I mean, he's fought everybody everybody and he's still going strong it's crazy to see he's another one of those guys i mean how, how can you not like jim miller he always throws down he's given us some you know some awesome submissions some awesome knockouts over the years great performances i mean he's just you know if he's on a card no matter where he's at on the card it, it could be the first fight of the night it, he could be at the bottom of the prelims you got to catch that fight even if you you don't care about any other fight on that card, you got to tune in and see what Jim Miller's going to do because he might knock somebody out in 23 seconds. He might lock them up in a nasty guillotine choke. You just don't know. And I love him, man. I'm, I love to see that he's still going strong, that he wants to continue to fight for, you know, a fairly long time. I don't know when UFC 300 would be. Let me see. When would that be? I know it's a little bit out there, but... Uh, yeah, no. Well, yeah. <laughs> when you Google it, the only thing that comes up is, you know, Jim Miller talking about it. So, um, yeah, don't know when that would be, but, uh, yeah, if Jim Miller's still, still, still around and, and still putting on great performances like that, I want to see it. Um, yeah, no, well, I guess, <laughs> I guess we could talk about the main event. Uh, actually, Alex Caceres did have a pretty good performance. You know, shout out to him. Um, he did really well. He had Pineda in trouble there uh, quite a few times during that fight. Just you know, he, did, he didn't really get the job done. But um, Bruce Leroy is you know as exciting as ever to watch. So, um, and he he's on a pretty good tear. I mean, for what it's worth, he's won um, he's won seven of his last eight fights, stretching back to 2019. You know, uh, TKO, Julian Arosa. I mean, he's, you know, he's looking good. 
I mean, and, and Pineda is not a bad win by any means. Yeah, I mean, Pineda is a pretty good win. He's, he's been around for a long time. He's been a pro for a while uh, for what it's worth. So, you know, I, I don't know that Caceres is that far off from uh, hopping back into the rankings. Or no, he is in the rankings. We had the same damn uh, – you know, Alex and I had this discussion last weekend. I was like, I don't know if he's in the rankings. He is. He's number – well, I don't. I haven't checked if they've updated the rankings yet. But as of when I'm recording this, they've not updated the rankings – from this weekend's past fights. So uh, still number 15, which, you know, not a bad spot to be. He's only going to move up. And there are a lot of interesting potential fights for anybody at 145, especially a guy like Bruce Leroy. So, you know, I mean, I I don't know who's next for him, but uh, I I just pulled up these UFC rankings and I'm, I'm looking at that top 15 at 145. And man, it's a killer's row. Of fighters. I mean, you look at the guys right above Caceres, Barboza, Ige, Yusuf, Mitchell, Evloev, Topuria. I mean, my God, man. I mean, oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's next for Caceres, but it's sure to be a great fight. Um, Man. I think uh, somebody asked, actually, before we get into the main event and that terrible-ass decision, Somebody asked, I'll see if I can find it real quick. Um, somebody said, who, you know, they, they put up a graphic and it had uh, a lot of the undefeated fighters that are in the UFC right now, like undefeated right now. And they said to rank, rank your top three. So I did find it. Um, and I, I thought about this because I just named two of those guys. Topuria is 13 and 0, Evloev is 17 and 0. And the question being posed was, who's your top three best undefeated fighters in the UFC right now? So they, they got the, I don't know if this is all the undefeated UFC fighters, but this is the, this is eight of them. Uh, we got uh, Mokayev, Shavkat, Umar, Gary, Evloev, Jemayev, Nickel, Topuria. All right. And I responded to the tweet. And my top three was Kamzat, Shavkat, and Topuria. But I I put a little addendum down there that Evloev is a very close, very close four for me. And I I saw some other people had similar lists. Other people had Evloev at three instead of Topuria. I think that's totally fair and fine. I I don't have any, any issue with that at all. I think maybe the level of competition that both guys have fought in the UFC up to this point. I think, I think Topuria's might be a little bit higher, a little bit higher. I mean, they are literally, you know, Topuria is number nine and Evolove's number 10 uh, in the rankings. So, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the media members doing the rankings and the UFC think they're very close. I also, I, again, I, I think you could switch them. Um, you know, but they're, I think they're both three and four. Shavkat, if you've seen him fight at welterweight, um, I, I don't think that needs any explanation whatsoever. He is an absolute killer at 170. He's going to be a problem for guys as he gets better and, and, you know, starts fighting some of them top five guys. I mean, some of those title contender guys. Uh, and Kamzat, again, I, I don't think needs any explanation there whatsoever. I mean, just absolutely walked through and dominated some of his uh some of his first few opponents and then had that war with Gilbert Burns. I mean that proved he belonged at the top of the 170 division. Um shit. You know, I know that Kamzad is supposed to be moving up and that's all good and fine. Does he have a fight there yet? Um let me see. Doesn't look like he does. If he wanted to fight Shavkat before he moved up to 185, I don't think anybody would have any complaints. You know, two undefeated guys. One of them walks out with their record intact. I don't know. It'd be interesting, um, but also comes out at 185 would be interesting. And 185 does need, now that Izzy's the champ again and Pereira's moving up to 205, a little bit of new blood. In the, the middleweight division, I, I don't think would hurt it at all. So 
You know, I, I don't I don't hate it. I don't I don't hate that Kamzat's moving up. I don't hate that Pereira's moving up. But you know, middleweight needs a little bit of a shakeup now that Adesanya is the champ again. I mean, you know, who's he going to fight? Is he going to fight Robert Whitaker again? You know, uh, I don't know. And you know, I, I think Kamzat should probably have to fight one person before he fights Izzy, just to you know, just to just to see how he is at one eighty five. I mean, I mean, the fight against Burns was hard. You know, he it was a very, very close fight. I mean, don't let the fact that it was a unanimous decision get you. I mean, it was it was neck and neck, like up until that last couple of minutes, you know. Um, So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I don't know who he would fight at 185. I have no clue. I think him and Robert Whitaker would be crazy. I think if they wanted to, if you wanted to throw him someone a little lower in the rankings, maybe someone like uh, Vittori, you know, with his wrestling background and everything like that. Um, I don't know. I think something like that would be cool. I think seeing a fight like that for Kamzat before he fights for the title um, would be good to see. Or who knows? Maybe they'll just throw him straight into a title shot. And if they did, I wouldn't really complain all that much. Um but something that did get a fair amount of complaining this past weekend, and I think it was rightly deserved, was the decision between Amir Albazi and Kai Kara France. Uh, Albazi got the split decision win. I don't remember the names of the judges or who had what scored for what. I know or who had what scored for who, like what round scored for which fighter. Um, I know one of the people that scored – the fight for Albazi had him winning the fourth round, which is absurd. Absurd. Absolutely no excuse for that. I think the fourth round, I don't remember exactly what it was, but uh, you know, France outstruck him like like 27 to 5 or something like that. And I think Kaikar France took him down in the fourth round. Like Albazi did not get a takedown. He got outstruck fucking five to one. And he got taken down. And one of those judges still gave that round to Albazi. I mean, I mean, truth be told, I I don't even really think the fight was that close. I mean, you know, maybe I I think the most generous interpretation of that fight has Albazi winning two rounds. And it, you know, if a judge had scored four rounds in favor of Kai Kara France. I, I would not have, I wouldn't have really blinked an eye at it to tell you the truth. But I, again, I, th- I think the most generous judging of that card, you know, you, you'd give Albazi two rounds. I just, I, I do not see how two judges could score that fight for Albazi. I, I really don't get it. Um, yeah, no, it just, it, it was not, <laughs> it, I mean, I, I definitely don't think the fight was as competitive as they do, but, um, you know, it just kind of sucks for Kai Car France because back when, you know, back when Figgy and Moreno were kind of going through their thing, um, I, I, th- I thought for a time there, and may, maybe still think it too. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it very well still might be uh, that Kai Car France was the third best flyweight in the division. I mean, while Figueredo and Moreno were fighting 10 times, uh, he was, you know, making a making a name for himself. I mean, he was knocking out Cody Garbrandt and winning a decision over Askar Askarov, who looked very impressive in his own right. You know, uh, Kaikar France fought for the interim title against Brandon Moreno. That didn't go his way, of course, but you know, I I still thought there for that time that he was probably the third best flyweight in the division, and that you know, with with Moreno winning the belt back and Figueredo moving up to Bantamweight, it was probably only a matter of time before we got to saw, got to see rather, uh, Moreno and Kaikar France fighting again. But, you know, now with the fight to Albazi, you know, the, the loss to Albazi, this kind of complicates things. You know, you, you can't really, I mean, I mean, I guess you can, but it would be pretty weird to just, you know, ignore the results of this fight and give Kai Car France a title shot because, you, you know, and, and again, this is the second loss in a row. You know, he hasn't fought anyone um, 
yeah, this fight against Albazi was his first fight since losing to Brandon Moreno. So he's he's lost two in a row now. He definitely needs a win to bounce back and, you know, make the case that he should be fighting for the title or for an interim title or in the top five for that matter. And But now you've got a guy who, you know, Albazi, he's fought five times in the UFC and he's won five fights. You know, whether whether you agree with the with the you know France decision or not, it's a win. And I mean Albazi was uh I think he was ranked seven before the fight with, with France. So now he's gonna be, you know, if he's not in the top five, he's gonna be right outside of it at six. You know? Does does Albazi fight the winner of um Moreno and Pantoja next? Maybe. He might, you know, he he didn't deserve to be gifted that decision, but he's a very talented fighter in his own right. And I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with him. And I don't hate the guy at all, man. He's a great fighter. You know, he really is. I mean, I I don't have any, I don't have any beef with, (laughs) with Alvazi at all. I'm just saying it was not a good, um, not a good decision. So I don't know what, they do uh, moving forward. It just is a shame that it, you know, people like to complain that, you know, we have too many events and that the cards are too thin, which I've, I've said before, probably on multiple podcasts now that I think that that's stupid. Um, You know, there's more fighters in the UFC. They're putting on more cards. Yeah. They might be a little thinner, but I'd much rather have cards that are a little thinner than have, you know, two weeks out of the month where we, we don't have any MMA on, on Saturday, you know, where there's no UFC fights on. Um, I'll take the cards that are a little thinner. If we just get to keep having, you know, fights all the time, they announced it, um, on the broadcast the other night they said, you know, for the next, however many weeks, there's a UFC, there's a UFC card on every weekend, you know, and that's something that doesn't happen if, you know, they don't have as big of a roster as they do. Um, you know, so I, I just, I think that whole argument, the, these are MMA fans that did not watch back in the day where you had to go, you know, two, three weeks before you got to saw another card, you got to see another card. Um, but one thing that, that people complain about all the time that I think is very fair is uh, how shitty the judging is. You know, I mean, it seems like every card, there's there's a fight that's ruined by a bad decision and you know this time it was a fight between two potential title contenders at flyweight in the main event of the card i mean really just you you know it, it already wasn't you know maybe the best card we've seen in a while but it did have like i said like i said you know killer kareen's uh knee bar finish and jim miller his 23 second knockout, you know, that, that main card had some highlights on it. You know, it had some really, um, really cool things on there. There were some finishes in the prelims too, but you know, the, the main card was, was starting to pick it up a little bit and Kai Car France, you know, had a great performance in the main event and it got undercut because two judges scoring the fight disagreed with everybody else in the world. And I just don't know what they were seeing, man. I I really, really don't. It just it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's a shame that, you know, every weekend somebody is going to get screwed over by some incompetent judges. I mean, and, and I mean, this, you know, this this cost people, you know, money. I mean, I, I think I think Kai Car France came out today or yesterday and said that, you know, that split decision loss cost him 100 grand. And that sucks, man. That sucks. Imagine if you're Kai Car of France. You won the fight, but two judges don't see it that way. And so now you've got, you know, two losses in a row on your record. You're going to go down in the rankings. You're losing out on this money. You're losing out on probably what would have been if he had won that fight. Pretty good chance he would have gotten the next title shot. I mean, I, I think so. I don't know that it would have been a guarantee, but I think it would have been a very good chance. And, you know, I, I don't blame Kai Kara France at all for being frustrated. I, I don't blame him one bit. He has every single right to be frustrated with those judges. Um, 
and and so do any other fighters that have been screwed over by a crappy split decision. And so do the fans, you know, there's nothing like, you know, getting hyped up and watching a fight and, you know, getting into it just for the judges to call the fight for the guy that was getting his ass kicked. You know, it just, it like I said, it just undercuts everything you just watched. You're like, man, it was a great competitive back and forth fight, but you know, the judges have just ruined it, you know, and there is a difference between like a, like a robbery and a close fight, you know, there definitely is. But in this specific case, the, the Albazi Kaikara France fight, that, that was a robbery. That wasn't just a close fight that the judges got wrong. It, it was a robbery. It was terrible. You know, I can understand judges being split up and siding differently if the fight is really close round to round, but that's not what this fight was. And like I said, every week there's a card that blows up on MMA Twitter and online because the judges ruled the fight in a different way than, than anyone else expected. And I don't know what the, the fix is. I, somebody, I wish I could remember who it was. Somebody said, you know, start interviewing the, you know, the judges after a fight, you know, make them have to explain themselves to, to the press, to the fans, to whoever. Um, I, I don't think we're definitely not going to see that, but I, you know, I don't know what the answer is because the, you know, the commission picks the judges and, you know, once they do that, it's just kind of, it's, you know, it's out of the UFC hands. It's out of everybody's hands. So I don't know what the answer is uh, to, to fix it, but it is pretty goddamn annoying if I do say so. Um, just while we've got a little bit of time here, I know we're, we're about to run up on the hour mark. And like I said, it is very, very late. Um, and I picked up a diet Dr. Pepper from the store. So there's no, uh, no caffeine in here. So <laughs> would be nice if there was, but boy, there isn't. But we will talk about UFC 289 coming up this weekend. It's got a lot of, it's got, I, this is another card people are complaining about. I, I know I already said my piece, but you know, it, is it the most stacked pay-per-view ever? No, but there are some very fun fights on this card that I'm personally looking forward to. So let's, uh, let's hop into some of those for this last uh, 10 minutes or so. I mean, headlining the the card this Saturday, we have uh, the greatest women's MMA fighter of all time, the Lioness, Amanda Nunes, defending her title against Irene Aldana. Um, I can't remember. It was originally going to be someone else, right? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was going to be Pena. They were going to run a run that you know, rubber match back with Pena, um, which I would be, well, I understand why they want to run it back because it is 1-1. But, you know, Nunez dominated that second fight. I, I think I heard her talk. I think I, I remember an interview with her saying that she, before the first fight, she like she got COVID and she didn't really feel 100%. Not really trying to make excuses or whatever, but, you know, it. She she was clearly off her game that first fight, whether it was COVID or whatever else she was dealing with that she said, Whatever it was, she very clearly was not really herself in that fight. And I think her performance in that second fight um, really proved it. And it uh, looks like Pena suffered some broken ribs during training camp. So she was um, unable to compete in this third fight. So Irene Aldana stepping up and, uh, you know, taking the fight. Um, and she was, she's looked good recently. Um she had that fight with uh, with May- Macy Shizon. I think I'm not 100% sure on that last name pronunciation, but she, she got her with like an upkick to the body, which is just, I mean, it's rare enough to see an upkick finish, but an upkick to the body, uh, very strange. Um, I mean, she's very good. You know, in these past couple of years, you know, I mean, she's, you know, she lost like Holly Holm and lost a split decision to Raquel Pennington a few years back. But I mean, she she's been a, you know, very, very solid fighter, um, in the, you know, women's bantamweight division for a while now and kind of felt like, you know, maybe it was only a matter of time before she ended up getting, uh, getting a title shot or a number one contenders fight or something like that. Um, and now she's going to get it. She's going to get to fight, uh, Amanda Nunes. And I, you know, again, Aldana is a, a great fighter, you know, these, these past couple of years, man, she's 
you know, she's, she's won some good fights. She's put on some good performances, but I really just don't see her getting it done against uh, Nunez. I just don't. I mean, Nunez is, like I said, the, the greatest women's fighter of all time. Someone asked that question uh, on Twitter earlier today, I think. They said, is Amanda Nunez the, the GOAT of women's MMA? And there were a couple of people in there that were saying Cyborg, but it's not Cyborg. <laughs> Let's get one thing straight. One, they fought. And that's not everything. You know, you got to take into account a lot of other things. It's not just one fight. You know, you got to look at their whole career. But let's be real. Amanda Nunes is the greatest women's fighter of all time. You know, she just is. I mean, you know, two-division women's champ in the UFC has fought everybody you can possibly think of, really. Um, I mean, you know, who is she uh, Who is she not fought, you know, in, in women's MMA that you would like to see her fight? I mean, you know, she fought – she beat Shevchenko twice, who Shevchenko, I think, has an argument for being the second greatest women's fighter uh, of all time, and she beat her twice. She beat Rousey. She beat Tate. She beat Cyborg. She beat Holm. She beat Pena. You know, she got her she got her win back against Pena. I mean, <laughs> you know, I just I, I I don't really think there's an argument for anybody else. And if she looks as good as she did in the Pena fight against Aldana, I really just don't see uh, Aldana taking home that belt at the end of the night. But we got some other interesting fights on the card, too. Uh, I, I think one that a lot of people are really looking forward to. Charles Oliveira is back, and he's fighting Benil Dariush, which is a lot of fun. Uh, we, ha- we haven't seen Charles fight, uh, fight since um, he fought Islam last year, I think October last year. Now he's back. He's fighting Dariush, who hasn't lost a fight since 2018. You know, he's on a seven-fight uh, win streak, eight-fight win streak, I think. Um you know, he, he's looked real good in his previous couple of fights. And he's really just needed, like, he, you know, he beat Gamro last year. Um, I think that was on the same card, no? Yeah, it was on the same card, yeah. You know, beat Ferguson, beat Carlos Diego Ferreira. But he, he really needed, he really needs a big name to to make his case that he should fight Islam next. And I think there's a pretty good possibility the winner of this fight, whether it's Charles, whether it's, uh, you know, whether whether it's Dariush, fights Islam next. Now, I could also see, because we know Poirier and Gaethje are going to be fighting for the bad motherfucker belt. I could see the winner of that fight fighting Islam next. I, I don't think that's out of the cards either. Maybe Volkanovski will beat Yair and come up and be the next guy to fight Islam. I don't know what they're going to do with Islam. But I think the winner of this fight you know, whoever it is, is going to call out Islam after they win. And they should. And I think it's going to be a good one. I, I don't really want to make any predictions just because I, I like both these guys so much. They're such fun fighters to watch. and um, I, I really just don't know. I don't know who's going to win this one. I mean, there's, yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of Charles Oliveira. I really do like the guy quite a bit. Um, that streak that he was on there for a while, even before he had the title, you know, um, just that big long win streak that he went on where he was knocking people out and submitting people left and right. I mean, submitted you know, <laughs> the two guys I just mentioned, Gaethje and Poirier, so you know, submitted both of them, um, you know, knocked out Chandler. I mean, just, I mean, just a killer, man, just an absolute killer. I mean, that run right there. He's been a staple of the 155-pound division for a long time, pretty much ever since I've been watching MMA. But this long win streak he went on and eventually winning the title, I mean, that's what cemented him as an all-time great 155-pounder. And I think everybody loved watching him win that title and going on to defend it. You know, who's not a Charles Oliveira fan? So it's hard for me not to say that I want him to win. And I can see him winning. I really, really can. But Darius is unpredictable. He's crazy. He's a wild striker. Yeah, we And, you know, I mean, it, it's hard to imagine either of these guys losing this fight. You know, we like I said, we haven't seen 
uh, Dariush lose a fight in five years. And <laughs> similarly, the only guy that uh, Oliveira has lost to in the past five years was Islam Makachev. And I would say that that's not a bad guy to lose to, you know, being a, a winning 11 of your last 12 fights. And that one loss being to Islam, the current champion, uh, I I'd say he's still doing pretty good. You know, I, I wouldn't really hold that one loss against him. Um, if I was going to make a prediction, I would, I would probably say that Charles Oliveira gets it done by submission. I do. I think Dariush can hold his own um, on the feet. You know, I don't. I don't really have any doubt about that. And he, he, don't get it twisted. Dariush is no slouch when it comes to grappling. No slouch at all. Well, I, well, he's not. No, he's not. I'm thinking about whether D- Oliveira. If I if I want to say he'll win by submission or decision, because I'm not really sure. Because <sighs> Dariush is good on the ground. He's got those crazy hands. People forget how good he is on the ground. I don't know. <laughs> I got Oliveira winning. I don't know. Submission, uh, you know, knockout, decision. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know if it'll be a decision. But um, it'll be a fun fight. I do know that. No doubt in my mind that fight's going to be crazy. So really looking forward to that one. Um, maybe, you know. Maybe the winner of that fight will fight Islam next. Who knows? Uh, one guy that I wanted to make sure that I shout out here, he might be the last guy to talk about before I wrap this up, but uh, Nate Landwehr. You know, he's a you know Tennessee guy like myself, um, you know, Tennessee native. Really uh, has impressed me his last couple of fights that he's been in. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's on a three-fight win streak. He just fought Austin Lingo. Uh, in in San Antonio, I watched him fight too, live in person. Was awesome. He he got a performance of the night bonus for it, um, and uh, you know won that fight by submission. Really fun guy to watch fight. Yeah, I even went back and watched some of his uh, his M one stuff. He he was the featherweight champ over there in M one. He was knocking people out. You know it's funny. He's on this three fight win streak, right? And he's he he's won two of those fights by submission, and those are the only two submission wins in his career. He's seventeen and four, so he's been pro for over a decade, and he never submitted anybody until twenty twenty one, October sixteenth, twenty twenty one. He got his first pro MMA submission win, and that means he's clearly showing improvement. You know, he's really starting to put some things together. You know, he had some fights that didn't really go his way in the beginning of his UFC career, but it it just seems like, you know, the pieces are really fitting together, falling into place. Um, And he's he's getting an opportunity to fight Dan Ige, who, you know, that guy throws down. You know, he's, um, you know, he has, he's had some fights not really go his way. You know, past few years, he's, he's taken some losses, but they've all been to killers. I mean, Evloev, we mentioned him earlier, undefeated. Josh Emmett, the Korean zombie, Calvin Cater. You know, there's nothing wrong with with, with dropping a fight to any of those guys. Those, they, they are just a bunch of killers. And, you know, he, he did knock out Damon Jackson earlier this year. First fight of the year, or first uh, card of the year, I believe. And Nate Landwehr is going to get an opportunity to fight a, you know, pretty big-name guy in Dan Ige, for what it's worth. You know, he's, you know, he's a guy that, you know, you gotta, you gotta win over Dan Ige under your belt. I feel like some of the people in that division, in that, uh, in that 145 division start looking at you a little differently. So, you know, if, if, if Landwehr can pick up a win like that, you know, I, I think, uh, is, is he actually, hold on, is Ige still ranked? He is 13. So a win over Ige might mean cracking into that top 15. And we were just talking about, you know, how brutal that 145 division is. And being able to break into that, maybe get yourself an even bigger name opponent than Ige. I mean, you know, everything's looking up and up for Landwehr. And, you know, I'm just such a big fan of the guy. You know, anytime there's a fighter from, you know, Tennessee or Texas, you know, I got to root for him. I just have to. I have to. And I've been rooting for him his whole career. 
I've been rooting for him, you know, particularly hard these last couple of fights because he's just been killing it. He's looked so good. Um, hopefully can get him in here uh, on the podcast sometime. I think that would be really awesome. You know, just uh, just two Tennessee guys going back and forth about MMA, which is <laughs> which is which is usually what the below the surface uh, podcast is. Um, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. You know, like I said, people. People will complain about every card that comes up every weekend, but once you really start watching all these guys and, you know, you just, you, you get attached to different fighters for different reasons. And, you know, whether they're the very first fight or the prelims or they're fighting the biggest fight of their career in the main event, you know, you, yeah, you gotta be there and root for them, man. Can't be online complaining about this and that and everything else, you know, just be glad you have fights damn near every weekend. And, you know, the level of talent in the UFC has never been bigger than it is right now. It's never been greater than it is right now. There's just, there's hundreds and hundreds, almost a thousand, just really high level guys on the UFC roster. And, you know, I, again, I'll, I'll take watching these guys fight every single weekend over the alternative any day of the week. But yeah, no, that's uh below the surface edition of the Bonfire Briefing podcast, another a uh, solo episode, only my second one. So I, uh, you know, hope, hope, uh, wasn't too repetitive or anything like that. Uh, I didn't really come into the solo one with a plan. Like I said, up until a few hours ago, I was thinking, you know, I might still have a, might still have a co-host. So, you know, if you made it this far into the show, uh, really do appreciate you listening to the podcast. Uh, it's, you know, it's been awesome to see how much the show has grown, uh, over the past year it's been over a year now that i've been doing it which is wild to think about if you're not already doing it of course go follow bonfire briefing podcast at bonfire brief pod on twitter uh, and instagram if you want the you know you want the more in-depth stuff I'm, I'm more active on twitter if i'm being honest so i do make all the podcast annou- announcements on instagram too but you know if you want uh you know, if you just want a little extra commentary or, you know, whatever you want to call it, I, I'm definitely more active on Twitter and would definitely recommend following the podcast on there. Um, you can find the podcast anywhere you watch, you watch, <laughs> listen to podcasts, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, everything. So, uh, again, you know, thanks for listening and see you guys next week.